Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Calm Talks. My name is Adil, and I'm here alongside my co-host, Anne. We are here to help you discover your version of success one calm talk at a time. On today's episode, we're going to show you five ways that you can be more mindful and present in your own life. Throughout this episode, we'll share some of our own examples that we've incorporated into our lives so that you can get some inspiration from them. But before we get started, just keep in mind, everybody's life is different. Their journeys are different. So you may have different parameters and limitations, and that's perfectly fine. All we're going to do is just provide you some general guidelines to understand what it means to be mindful and present and why that's important. I think that that's probably a good starting point. And what does that mean for you to be mindful and present? For me, when someone is mindful, it means they're really conscious of their surroundings, what's going on, how they're feeling, what they're thinking. They are effectively present. They're aware of who they are, the energy they're giving out, and the person that other people are perceiving. So when I think of mindfulness or being mindful, it's all of them things wrapped up in one. Spot on. I would say that being mindful, being present is really about just being awake in the present moment, being in touch with everything that's happening around you physically, emotionally, mentally. And I think it's actually a very important topic today because there's so many distractions which take you away from the moment. So one has to be quite conscious and self-aware to actively make the space and room to be more mindful. So to begin, Adil, what would be your first way for somebody to be mindful and present? First place to start would be to actually pursue a spiritual practice. Now, let me break that down further as to what that really means. Spiritual practice is something which brings you more in tune with your soul aligns you with your soul. A few examples that I've found for myself, which have worked really well, is actually building a meditation practice. I was someone who struggled with meditation for the longest time because it was impossible for me to sit in one place and do nothing. (laughs) I'm somebody who likes to be busy all the time. If you're listening as well, that may resonate with you. Meditation allows you to save a chunk of your day, of your time, to just allow your thoughts, your emotions to come in so you can can process them, but also for you to build a habit to be present and focus on your breathing. Meditation as hell. There's yoga as well, which is something that I try to do like once every week, which is also a spiritual practice of mine. So if you're listening and if you're looking to be more mindful, think about those as good starting points. I think another one that is probably not spoken about as much is praying. I think praying is something that brings you closer to to God, to the person upstairs. It helps you connect with, like you're saying, your soul, what you really, you know, how you really think, how you really feel, where your moral code is. So praying also, you know, is in the realm of being spiritual to some degree. So to wrap that all together, pursuing a spiritual practice whether that be meditation or yoga or praying or something else that brings you spirituality or closer to your spiritual self makes you or allows you to be more present with who you are. And that effectively will help you be mindful in your day-to-day situations. But spirituality is just one part of the makeup of your overall health. 
I think we've spoken about this before on a number of different occasions, but you know, for me, when I think about health, I think about spiritual health, but I also think about mental health, emotional health, physical health. And that brings us nicely onto our second point. When you are trying to find ways to, to be more mindful and present, one of the ways is to really value your health. And I'm talking about the health that I just mentioned, your mental, your emotional, and your physical health. This is such an important factor because truly to be mindful means to be aware of each fleeting moment. And once you recognize that this life that you have is truly a gift, you would want to take care of your body. It's the only vessel that you have. Sure, there's some surgery possible today, but that doesn't change the fact how biology dictates that you have one body which you can take care of. You want to eat healthy, you want to get the right amount of sleep. You really want to take care of your physical health, but also to your point, Anne, take care of your mental health as well. Because as the saying goes, your health is wealth. And that's for a reason, because you only have your youth once and you want to capitalize that and make the best of it. And the more you damage it, the more you are out of touch with the present, with your own body. So how do you maintain good physical health? That's a fantastic question. And truthfully, I work out quite consistently today. I go to the gym, lift weights very regularly, multiple times a week. I have a rule that I won't skip two days in a row. Unless I'm sick or traveling, there's exceptions, right? But this is a habit that didn't happen overnight. It's something that I had to work on for the last 10 years of my life. Frankly, when I was a teenager, I couldn't do a single push-up. I remember the first time I went to the gym and I couldn't do a push-up and I felt embarrassed. But I continued to work on myself to make sure that I improve myself physically, my physical capacities. That's actually allowed me to perform better in my life overall because I'm more present with the work that I'm doing. You also mentioned what you put in your body. I'm guessing nutrition is also a big part of the physical health makeup. Absolutely. Nutrition is not something they teach you in Pakistan at all. We grew up with some of the tastiest foods in the world. They're the worst for your body. Growing up, I wouldn't see how much oil is going into the food. When I actually started noticing that as I got older, I felt disgusted. <laughs> I finally realized why the food tastes so good. Either way, I tried to learn more about nutrition and learning the importance of the macronutrients that I put in my body, the carbs, the proteins, the fat, what's the right amount for me, taking that a step further, understanding the benefits of micronutrients, about how I can get certain vitamins from fruits and vegetables. Having a well-rounded and balanced diet allowed me to feel my best self and ultimately also perform better in my life. I think nutrition is a direct reflection of your discipline and how self-aware that you are. Because if you can control what you're putting in your mouth, how can you actually go and have discipline in other aspects of your life? So to me, it's actually an integral part about being mindful. Is that something that you also focus on, Ant, of it, the nutritional and physical aspect? Without doubt, that's something I focus on. And maybe it's a bit of a different journey to you. You know, I'm Greek, but I should specify here that my family's actually from Cyprus. And some of the ways my grandmother used to cook would also be heavy in oil, 
and maybe not always the healthiest either. And also, you know, Cypriot kind of Greek and kind of like Middle Eastern kind of cuisine has a lot of like sweet stuff in it. Baklava, baklava. Oh, that's um, my weakness. Yeah. <laughs> that's my kryptonite right there. I love this dessert. It's called gadaifi. I don't know what it's called in English. What is that though? It's like, it's like a baklava. Yeah. But it, we should have it one time. Yeah. I'll, maybe I'll take it to like a Greek place here. I'm in, yeah. But it's like, um, it's kind of like a baklava. We also have this other thing. <laughs> I know I'm kind of going off topic here. It's called galo de porcio. Okay. I don't know what the hell that is called in, in English, right? It's like cream wrapped around pastry. Like it's, yeah, it's like covered in like honey and syrup. Yeah, it's all high nutritional value. (laughs) It's like so unhealthy, right? (laughs) I guess the point here is that this kind of stuff is normal for us cooking foods and oils and having like these really sweet kind of desserts and whatever. And yeah, it's similar to you where I kind of grew up with like with that kind of influence until I actually went to uni and I had to start cooking for myself. Then I started realizing shit a lot of the stuff that we were eating i didn't know it wasn't that it wasn't that good for us and because i was able to like choose myself now because i'm cooking okay now i can think about what i'm putting in my body but actually to be honest with you i kind of took it one step further you know obviously after uni i started i moved out after a couple of years and things like that and i actually went down the route of being vegan the reason i went down that route was partly for nutritional reasons i wanted to clean my diet clean my body. And the reason for that was because I wanted to be more mindful, not just of myself, of the environment, of my impact to the environment, my impact on society in general, which is why I cut down meat consumption. Again, we can maybe talk about that in more detail in another episode, but effectively my relationship with nutrition at that point in my life was all about being mindful for other people as well as my own health. So yeah, a bit of a different journey with nutrition in some regards, but it was all in the realms of being mindful. And with regards to working out, well, you know this too, I I work out every morning. And we actually mentioned this on episode three, where I talk about, you know, how I go gym regularly every morning. And if I don't go, I don't feel ready for the day. So my relationship with um, physical health in that regard is to be disciplined. And again, I'm mindful. I'm aware that if I don't go, I don't feel ready to tackle the day. And I think that's the key over here, right? It may not be obvious to some about why valuing your health is one of the fundamental ways that you can be more mindful. It's actually an awareness to your own body, what's important for you to optimize your, your own performances, but also improve the longevity and, and the standard of your own life. And that also includes sleep. Without being able to recover, you're not able to go again the next day, the next week, or whatever it is. So sleep is also crucial. I know you and I make sure we get eight hours sleep every night because we know the value of recovery. And again, when you prioritize recovery, you're mindful that by doing that, you can then go and achieve what you need to achieve in your life in the next day, in the next week, and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to lie. like I've struggled with sleep in the past. I've been blessed and cursed with a thinker's mind. So I lay down in bed. And I'll just be thinking about the next day, the next week. Maybe it could be stuff at my job. It could be stuff happening with my family. I could be thinking about the workout that I'm going to do the next day, a presentation I have. And I've struggled with that where I would actually take melatonin before I would go to sleep. So to be honest with you, it's something that I had to be mindful of 
and learn to be present even in the act of sleeping, where instead of thinking about the next day while I'm in bed at night, I have to be present in that moment that right now is my time to rest. And that's what I'm going to focus on. You know what? This is actually a great segue to the third way that you can be more mindful and present. And that's to focus on a single task at a time. And truthfully, this is also one that I struggle with because I've tried to do multiple things at a time. And I've had to learn the habit and the practice of trying to do one thing at a time. I think this one's actually really bang on with um, current society. We are inundated with so much noise. You know, how many notifications do you get on your phone? If it's not your work email, which I'm sure is one of them, it's uh, your Instagram, maybe your Twitter, maybe your TikTok, maybe your WhatsApp, your texts, your calls. And there's just so much noise. People messaging you all the time. I know you have family in d- different parts of the world. I have family in different parts of the world. All times of the night, all times of the day. It's just my phone is going off and off and off, right? And I'm sure you have the same experience. So focusing on a single task in today's world is extremely difficult. It's one of the toughest things to do. I've admitted it already. It's one that I find challenging. It's just even the simple part of you eating your lunch in the day, but not having any TV or any YouTube on, which I'm guilty of doing myself. And that's tough. It's actually tough to be present and just eating your food and actually being in present with how that tastes. What's happened is we've become desensitized to the stimulus around us. So we're craving more and more stimuli all the time. We're on our email while we're also checking Slack. We're getting all these messages. We have an infinite number of distractions. And that's why it's so critical to be focused today. Are there any tasks that are like require focus that you can't allow yourself to get distracted for if you want to complete that task? That's a brilliant question. I found reading to be my safe haven to be most present and most focused on a single task. If I think about eating, I can watch TV while I'm eating. Even if I think about doing another task, I might play a podcast in the background as well, which I think somebody who's listening right now, you might be doing that yourself. So reading is actually one activity where I have to open up a book and I can't really do anything else while I'm reading. I have to be pretty much focused on that. The best I can do is maybe have a cup of tea. That's about it. I can't eat and read. I can't watch TV and read. Can't talk to someone else on the phone and read. I actually have to just focus on the words that I'm reading and be present with that. It's actually helped my focus a lot because I think everyone today has some level of ADD because our mind is just all over the place. Reading has actually improved my focus incredible amount. You know, a simple trick really is, it's just to turn your phone on silent. Turn your phone on silent, put it away. Out of sight, out of mind. That stuff really does work. I have like a pocket near my desk and I slide my phone. It's not in my pocket. It's like a, it's like attached to my desk. I put my phone on silent and I put it in that desk. When I need to get my work done, that's it. 
I don't know anybody who's calling me, texting me, Instagram this or whatever. No, nothing. Also, another way is just to turn notifications off. I have notifications sometimes that would come through for news. Obviously, I like keeping up to date with things that I care about, but that's not necessary. I should go find that information. I don't need it to be buzzing on my phone. Turn it off. Turn it off to allow yourself to focus on the task in front of you. Unfortunately, it's that fear of missing out on some news, on some piece of information, some message that constantly keeps us addicted to our phones. And that's where we're checking it all the time. Imagine just going out and doing your groceries without your phone. I've done that before and it felt like I left my arm at home. That's how addicted I am to my phone, right? And I know I'm not alone in this. I think this is a very regular thing. But what you can do to control these addictions is create an environment where you can create boundaries between that addiction, which is another way that you can actually be more mindful and present is to have a control over your vices. You will have these addictions to your cell phone. It might be Netflix, YouTube, might even have addiction to alcohol, drugs, gambling. There's so many vices that exist today. But once you have the awareness to recognize that this is something that might be crippling you or maybe even a hindrance to your progress, you can actually create boundaries to avoid them. An example of that, which I have incorporated in my life, is if I'm working and have a busy day at work, especially because I'm working from home and I want to avoid distractions, I'll actually turn my phone off and put it in a different room. This is different for each person. I recognize for myself, for me to put the cell phone on silent was actually not enough. I need to put it in a completely different room. But I did that because I know myself. If you're listening at home, perhaps for you turning your notifications off is sufficient. Fantastic. But for me, I had to build that boundary. We actually talk about this in much more detail as well in episode nine, where we talk about how to be victorious over your vices. So definitely check that episode out as well. And that's exactly what we were talking about when we were talking about, you know, your Instagram and your phone having notifications. Advice that a lot of people struggle with today is social validation. They love it. They want it. They require it. They feed off of it. And that's something that a lot of people have to control. Now, you did mention that it's in episode nine, and I would encourage people to go listen to that if they want to know more about it. But that is definitely one that I think a lot of people or our generation in general is struggling with. Can you think of any more? We touched on a couple already, but one that is darker, but I'm going to say it anyway, is porn addiction. It is one of the worst vices that a human being can have today. It completely desensitizes you to what is a beautiful experience. It dehumanizes the other individual as well. And it causes you to actually be with a person that you may love or maybe are attracted to, that you may have a sexual relationship with, but your expectations have been completely skewed away from reality. And you're actually not present in that moment. This is a massive problem today, which actually takes you away from the present moment when you're actually having a loving relationship with another person. Yeah, agreed. I mean, when you're desensitized to what it means to be in a, you know, with somebody emotionally, vulnerably, physically, etc., how can you be mindful? And to be honest with you, I'd extend this argument to 
dating apps. You know, a lot of people are incessantly swiping, swiping right or left, wherever it is, and they're looking for their next fix, their next piece of fleeting interaction from another person. How can you be mindful? How can you be present with what you want, how you feel, what your desires are, what you're looking for in somebody else, what you're looking for in yourself? if you're just incessantly swiping blindly going from date to date to date. So I would agree with you that porn and porn addiction is definitely up there, but I would also extend the argument to say even mindless swiping, trying to get this validation and, you know, effectively not understanding the quality of the people in front of you is taking away from being mindful, taking away from being present. The signs behind what happens when you actually masturbate or when you're swiping left and right is actually a dopamine release by that act itself. There are many ways that that particular chemical, dopamine, can be released in your body, which causes you to feel sensational. It could be the swiping, it could be porn, it could be going on Instagram, going on YouTube. All of these activities and tasks cause dopamine release for you. But what's best is for you to actually put an effort which allows you to earn that dopamine release, which is why the fifth way that you can build a present and mindful life is to actually find a creative practice. This is probably one of the best things that you can do, which you may have never even considered, or maybe if you have, that's fantastic. A creative habit allows you to put an effort to release that same level of dopamine. And it's a much better psyche for you to have instead of you training yourself mentally and sometimes physically that you will be getting all this amazing feeling with the minimum or lowest amount of effort by swiping left, right on apps. So I think a creative habit is definitely one that I would recommend. Do you have any suggestions for people who are maybe struggling with finding a creative outlet? You know what? I never considered myself to be a creative person at all, but I actually do journal quite a bit. And that's one of my creative outlets. I've actually given a few things a try. When COVID-19 happened in 2020, like everyone, I was trying to find something to do at home. Journaling was a great habit for me to build because I was able to actually write on what's happening around me, which I actually think is kind of sick if I'm going to look back on it 30 years from now. So I think that's a fantastic one. I'll admit that I don't do it every day. It's not the best practice of mine. Honestly, I could improve on that. I actually picked up a keyboard when COVID started. And you, I don't think you knew this, actually. <laughs> Can't even imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I learned like one note of <laughs> the scientist by the cold by Coldplay. I'm going to start calling you Yeezy or something soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next up and coming, yeah. Hopefully, I'm not canceled like him, though. <laughs> Jokes aside, I did pick up a keyboard, which I practiced for probably like two months. And honestly, it's just rusting away now in my apartment. For the creative habit, you can also think outside the box. For example, it could be a martial art that to me is also a creative practice. I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu back in September last year. And it's definitely something that allows me to solve a puzzle when I'm in a combat with another person. Here's why that actually allows you to be present and mindful. When you're doing any of these activities, whether that's a martial art, 
whether that's painting, writing, any of these things, you have to be present in that moment. If you're elsewhere, it allows you to hack into a state of flow where you can continue to do the act effortlessly over time. Even though it is effort in the beginning, over time, it becomes effortless. Same question back to you. Are there any examples that you can think of which would fall under this realm? I think actually the best example that I have right now is what we're doing right now. You spoke about flow. And I think I speak for both of us, just being very candid amongst ourselves and with our audience. When we first started, we were a bit nervous. We weren't in our flow, finding our feet. And that's normal with anything creative that you do, especially if it's new. But as time goes on and you become more present and aware with who you are, how you're sounding in this example, how you're feeling doing the act that you're doing, you become more aware, you become more conscious, and then you're able to deliver in a a way that is better for you, that reflects who you are. So for me, the best example I can give right now really is what we're doing right now. And hopefully the listeners can actually resonate with that. Maybe they've heard a difference or they've felt a different energy as things have been progressing. And that really means the proof is in the pudding, that what we're saying is true. When you find a creative habit that you pursue, you're able to be more mindful over the course of that pursuit. It really allows you to put all the distractions away. You can't be on your phone when you're recording a podcast episode. You can't be on your phone when you're at a martial arts studio. You can't be on your phone when you're painting, when you're writing. Any of these examples that we're giving about our creative outlet really requires you to focus, requires you to be present and mindful. So on that point of being present and mindful, it's probably a good time to wrap up. So just to summarize, the first way to be more mindful and present is to pursue a spiritual practice, whether that be meditation, yoga, or praying, or something along them lines. And thereafter, that allows you to focus on your health, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. And thirdly, we went on to speak about focusing on a single task at one time to limit the distractions. And that swiftly moves us onto a victory over your vices, which you can check out in episode nine. And lastly, pursuing a creative habit. Pursuing a creative habit allows you to get in that flow, get in that state, which allows you to be present, that you can then deploy in other areas of your life. So to wrap up, I would encourage you to take one of the ways that we've mentioned to be more mindful and present and incorporate that by next week when the next episode drops so that you can continue in your journey to a life of calm. Thank you for listening to another episode of Calm Talks. And just as a reminder, if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Calm Talks and join our mailing list by visiting our website at calmtalks.com. And as always, stay calm. Thank you.